Today we want to talk about Hope Has a Name. Now think about that sermon title. Hope Has a Name. I know that many of us right now are walking through some things that without the hope of Jesus Christ, we would have already crumbled under the weight. But yet because Jesus is our hope and hope has a name, we are not only just suffering through what we're going through, but we also were able to minister to others, which is what all of us are called to do. So let me take you back approximately 2,000 years or so to a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 1 and then in a moment in Luke chapter 1 and let this minister to you and remember hope has a name. The Bible says that she will bear a son. Now we know that to be Mary and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Yes, hope has a name, and he will save his people from their sins. One of the only reasons I'm able to stand in front of you, not only today, but week after week after week, is that I have had my sins forgiven because of the blood that Jesus Christ shed upon Calvary's tree long ago. But not only does Matthew chapter 1 speak of this in verse 21, look at verse 23. The Bible says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, Pastor, I thought you said that his name was Jesus. Well, I did. Which also has a derivative called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So yes, hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. His name is Emmanuel, and he is also with us. Not only with them 2,000 years ago as a baby born in Bethlehem, but for us right here in Athens, Alabama, or wherever you may be watching from today. If you also look into Luke's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And you shall call his name Jesus. We've already alluded to the very beautiful decorations all around me on the pulpit as well as up in the choir area. But right beside me I have that beautiful nativity scene. Most of us have one of these either on our mantle or on a table, somewhere prominent in our home because for those of us who are in Jesus Christ, this is what Christmas is all about. The baby that was born of the virgin in Bethlehem. And because of his birth, Today, we have hope. I want you to let that sink in. You and I have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's take just a moment, if we can, and let's look at the concept of hope. I know that you have heard statements like these, just like I have. I hope it doesn't rain. I hope it does rain. I hope I get that job. I hope he gets better. I hope she shows up, or I hope and you fill in the blank. So many of us this morning also have some hopes. We are hoping for healing. We are hoping for a touch from God. We are hoping a loved one gets saved. We're hoping a friend gets that job. We are all living in the midst of hope. But let me give you the difference between what I would call worldly hope and sacred hope. Worldly hope is characterized by doubt by uncertainty, 
and a desperate need to control. We have a tendency to hope for things that may or may not happen. But see, for those of us that understand the biblical definition of hope, that comes from a Greek word, elpizo, which means to expect with certainty. So when I as a Christian, when you as a Christian say, I hope for something, we're believing that. It's not some pie in the sky, sweet by and by, just saying, I, I, I believe this might happen, but I don't think this is going to happen. No, for those of us who are in Jesus, our hope is sure because our hope has a name and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, do you have hope today? Listen, if you don't, you are tuned in to the right place because I believe, based on God's Word, He has a Word for you today, but I also believe He has a Word for me today. So we have a theme verse for our message today, and it comes from the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah's writings, all 66 chapters, happened about 700 years before the Lord Jesus Christ was born. Notice with me in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who uh, dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Every December, not only here in the United States, but around the world, we see the light that shines. Because Christmas is not a celebration that God comes to fix things. Things like broken computers or broken families or even broken and hurting lives. No, Christmas is a celebration that God comes in the darkness. God comes in the pain. God comes in the chaos. What does God do when he comes? God gives hope. And I know that many of us today are, are greatly burdened for many things. And yet, because of this holiday season, we know that our God comes and our God grants and our God gives us hope. There's another beautiful verse in Isaiah's writing in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 that simply says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Oh yes, you heard that right. Yes, what Matthew and Luke said just a few moments ago from the Scripture was basically a testimony and witness of the writings of Isaiah 700 years before Jesus Christ was born. There's that beautiful word, Emmanuel, again. Simply meaning God with us, or literally with us, is God. You see, the name Emmanuel is an Old Testament reference to the Messiah. We know him as Jesus. So let me encourage you one more time. Jesus Christ is our only hope. I'm going to say it again. Jesus Christ is our only hope. Yet again, Jesus Christ is our only hope. One more time, Jesus Christ is our only hope. All of us live in a world of disappointments. There are things that we want more than anything else, and sometimes they don't happen the way that we want it. 
And yet through the disappointment, if we will always remember and be grounded that Jesus is our only hope, you'll be able to handle the disappointments, the struggles, the chaos, the confusion that this world may very well bring. Hope is not a maybe so, it is a no so. So with that understanding in mind, I want us to quickly take a journey at hope that is past, a hope that is present, and a hope that is future. Let's take just a moment and first of all look at our past hope. Some of the scriptures I've just shared with you over these last few minutes helps us to identify with our past hope that Jesus Christ was born of the virgin. But I want to ask us a question today. What is the longest that you've ever waited on something? I know that I was 28 years old when I, I got married. I'd waited on that one to come into my life. I've often told Joe, and I, and I tell others, especially when Joe and I are maybe speaking in marriage conferences, there was a lot of people over the years that caught my eye, but there was only one that caught my heart. And yes, I waited on God's gift to me. I think sometimes we are in such a hurry to move on with our lives, we, are, we get impatient and we wind up not waiting on God's best for us. So yes, sometimes we have to wait a long time on that beautiful hope that is to come. In fact, some of us, even now, is there anything you've been waiting for for your entire life? I mean, has there been a promise that was given to you as a child and it's not yet come to pass? Was there someone in your family a long time ago that told you a story that something was going to happen and it still hasn't happened yet? Do you know there was a story that was repeated over and over again to the Old Testament saints? They knew something about waiting their entire history was marked by waiting as they anticipated the Messiah. It's been about 13 months ago now, I found myself at the Western Wall in the Jerusalem, Old Jerusalem in the Jewish district. And I, I remember placing my, my hand on one of those carved stones and, and I prayed for the peace of Jerusalem. And I prayed for my church family here at First Baptist. And I, and I prayed for Joe and Zeke and Danny. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience. You see, the Western Wall there in Jerusalem is not just called the Western Wall. It's also called the Wailing Wall. And in that beautiful Jewish quarter of Jerusalem today... Orthodox Jews are divining. It's another word for praying. And they're, and they're moving their heads back and forth as the Spirit prompts them. And they've been doing this for thousands of years. And then when Jesus arrived, according to the Scripture in the book of Isaiah that we read just a few moments ago, they missed Him. They missed the Messiah. Let me tell you something, friend. Based upon our past hope, this Christmas season, don't you miss Jesus because He is the reason for the season. He's the reason why we give gifts. He's the reason why that our hearts are just a little bit softer in moments just like these. So yes, Jesus Christ is our past hope. But maybe your past hasn't been so pleasant. Maybe your life has been filled with a lot of bad choices and a lot of bad decisions. And any time you think about the past, 
You don't find hope there. You find turmoil. You find struggle. Friend, today I want you to be willing to turn your past over to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I have written in my notes, do not let your past define you. You're not that person anymore, and you don't live there anymore. Amen? So, friend, Jesus Christ is our past hope, even when our past was a struggle. So what do we do with our past today? On this 13th day of December 2020, I want you to learn from your past. Learn from it whether it was good or whether it was bad. Let your past hope be your teacher, be your guide, and be your motivator. Yes, there are a lot of things that we can learn from our past hope. So we move from the past to the present. Let's talk just a moment about our present hope. If you have your Bibles, your smartphone, your iPad, or your Kindle right there in your home today, I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 1 with me or simply read along right here on the video. The Bible says now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting that this was. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now before I read verse 31, can you imagine... This young teenage girl being spoken to by this angelic being named Gabriel and says, you don't have to be afraid. Can I be honest with you this morning? I would be afraid. I would be terrified if this angel had come to me speaking similar words. But he says, Mary, you don't have to be afraid because you have found favor with God. There are many of us today that are troubled and afraid. But listen, if you are saved and, and you are on your way to heaven today, you don't have to be afraid either. I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because we have found favor with God. We have been saved. We have been washed. We have been cleansed. We have been justified. We are being sanctified. And one day we will be glorified. So praise God, we do not have to be afraid. Look at verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Can you imagine 2,000 years ago in the setting? I know that 13 months ago when I was in Israel, I saw high-rise buildings. Uh, I, I saw a Ben and Jerry's ice cream I saw a Starbucks. I, I saw all the modern amenities. But once we got out from Jerusalem, there was nothing but desert. That's where Mary and Joseph found themselves that day in Bethlehem. And now this angel, a few months before the birth, is letting her know that you're going to conceive in your womb. And she had never known a man. And you're going to have a baby boy. And here's his name. It's not going to be like the dad whose name was Joseph, 
No, it's going to be like his heavenly father's name. Emmanuel, God with us. His name will be Yeshua. In the English derivative, his name is Jesus. So as we allow this understanding of hope to sink into our hearts, this is the unprecedented event in human history. And yet, Mary's love life is about to be put on public display. If you'll notice what I just read to you there in that passage of Scripture, that Gabriel left out a lot of details in telling Mary what was about to happen. You know, it's the same way that God does us today. We may have a promise from the Word that this particular event's going to happen in our life, but is it just like the Holy Spirit to leave out all the details? In order to get us from point A to point B, He just tells us, I'm giving you a promise that point B is going to happen one day, but I'm going to let all the stuff between A and B be a mystery and allow you to walk through it. Because as we walk through the journey, we learn from the journey. And there are some of us learning things today. Oh, I know we all wish we knew everything. Uh, we want to be up to date on the latest gossip and all the scuttlebutt and everything that's going around with everybody. But there are going to be moments that, just like Gabriel when he told Mary, he leaves out a lot of the details. And you and I will have to be willing to learn from those details as they happen in our lives. So yes, Mary's life is going to change. And things are never going to be the same. And, and I believe that for us as well. If there is anything that COVID-19 has taught me, be very careful of making your plans and writing them in stone because the very next moment, you'll have to change your plans and write them in the sand. That's just how life goes. So it will be this present hope that allows us to navigate when things happen and when things will never be the same. I know that some of us today are faced with concerns and stresses and hardships and without Jesus, our present hope, there is no way that you could survive and there is no way that I could survive. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 speaks to this just a little bit. And in my study time, I felt I needed to add this. It simply says, this hope that we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. The hope in Jesus Christ is an anchor in our soul, even when we don't understand what is happening all around us. There's been many times in the past that I have quoted Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. This particular quote, I usually only share with you a part of it. Let me give it all to you today, and it will help you to understand about our hope being in Jesus the Bible, uh, Charles Spurgeon says, God is too good to be unkind. He is too wise to be mistaken. And when you cannot trace his hand, you can trust his heart. So there may be things that are happening in our lives right now that we think, God, you've got to intervene and turn this thing around. But let me go ahead and tell you, God is too good to be unkind. He's also too wise to be mistaken. So I trust in the sovereignty of God even when I don't understand the sovereignty of God. That's where I am in my journey. I hope that 
lets me know that in my personal walk with Jesus that I've grown in him over the last several years. That I'm not a, a child throwing a temper tantrum when I don't get my way. When my prayers have not been answered in the way that I want them to be answered. Friend, is that you today? Do you pout when you don't get your way? When you've prayed about something in particular and, and it doesn't sort of flow the way that you wanted it to go, you pick up your Bible and you take your toys and you go home and you say, I'm not going back or I'm not going to give anymore or I, I'm just going to quit church. Friend, we can't live our lives that way. If you listened to me last week about rediscovering joy, you need to get off the roller coaster because that's where some of us find ourselves today. So... Where there is past and present, praise God, there's also a future. I conclude my time together with you today to talk about that future hope. I don't know who originally said these words, and I cannot remember where I first read it, but the first statement is the past is historical. There are things that you and I can learn from our past. We can take wisdom in the history of our fumbles, flops, and failures, but also in the struggles of others. So if you're willing to look at your past through that lens, you and I can really learn from our past because the past is historical. Secondly, the present is existential, meaning you're simply going to live your life. Now for those of us who are saved, we are striving to live it being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that many of us at times struggle with that simply because we are human. There's that humanity side of us that gets angry and we get upset and, and we just don't understand. But yes, friend, the, the past is historical, but the present is existential. I have conversations almost daily with people, whether it be online or whether it be a, a telephone call or via texting, and sometimes I hang up or I finish up responding on an email and I go, why did they think that way? How in heaven's name did they even come to that conclusion? Well, the present is existential, meaning that we're dealing with humanity in real time. Yes, we can learn from history, but in the right now and in the present, it is also existential. And lastly today, the future is waiting. The future is waiting. I know that since I was a little boy, I always got excited about Christmas time. And when I got saved as an eight-year-old boy years ago, I began to be excited, not just about receiving gifts under the tree, but I also got excited about the birth of Jesus and what we would call his first arrival. Today, friend, those of us that are parents, it is my prayer that alongside tradition, we also tell them the truth about Jesus. That Christmas and trees and Christmas and men in red suits and Christmas and reindeers, those are beautiful traditions that have been handed down and passed down over time. But friend, if we get all caught up in that and we don't tell our children about Jesus, there is something wrong with this picture. So it's my prayer that as we think about the future is waiting, that we always bring them back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Even beyond the baby in the manger, 
but the one who not only died on the cross and rose again on the third day, but praise God, the one who will return one day. So what about his future return? Will the babe born in Bethlehem return one day to make things right? Well, according to the word, he will. Notice with me in Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. The Bible says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Suffering is real. Pain is real. Death is real. And I know that as we walk through the valley of the shadows... And sometimes our prayers aren't answered this side of heaven the way that we want them to. I pray that we as followers of Jesus will always go back to the Word. For I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Listen, our eyes have not yet seen, our, our ears have not yet heard what God has planned for us. Oh yes, we can read about it in the Scripture. We, we can read about the testimony of the Word, about what heaven's going to be like one day, but even that which is written on the page cannot compare to the glory that's going to be revealed in us one day. Not only Romans 8 and 18, but look at verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. I know that I've groaned lately. I know that I have wept deep tears based upon situations and circumstances that are beyond my reach and out of my control. Yes, all of creation groans and labors. Just a few verses later in verse 24 and 25, For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Perseverance. For those of us who are athletes or have been an athlete at some point in time in our past, we've probably heard a coach or someone speak into our life, you got to persevere, you got to hang in there. Do you know that's where I am today? It's all about perseverance. Enduring patiently is what it means. I want to encourage you today, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've heard, no matter what you've seen, no matter the struggle, I'm going to ask you today to wait for it with perseverance. And enduring patience to, to know and understand and even recognize that God has this. Even though it appears that there is chaos and confusion and everything is out of control, with Christ, everything is in control and under control because He is sovereign. He is over all things. And to be quite honest with you, that's the only way that you and I can make it, knowing that ultimately God is in control. Yes, our perseverance matters. So today we have focused exclusively on hope. Hope has a name. I don't know what all else has to happen on planet Earth 
until the return of Jesus and Him making everything right. But if you've been watching me or listening to me on Wednesday mornings and Wednesday nights, we've been talking about biblical prophecy. We covered just a few weeks ago the subject of the rapture. So turn over a few pages in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians 4, and this is where I will conclude in Scripture today. You know this passage well. If you don't, you are in for a treat. The Bible says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now, of course, this was written in the first century to the church at Thessalonica. Paul is talking to those individuals who may be concerned about their loved ones who have died. That's the derivative of falling asleep. And then he says, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. You know, there are people out there today who have no hope whatsoever. They believe that they are no better than an animal on the side of the road who has been hit by a car. They believe that will be their end result. Now, we know better, but there are individuals out there who have no hope. Paul is trying to encourage first century believers that you and I can have hope. Look at verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. My loved ones, your loved ones, those heavenly deposits that have gone on to be with the Lord, the Bible says there's going to be a day somewhere out in the future where Jesus is going to come back and he's going to bring those individuals with him. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain, those of us right now watching this particular program, until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. It means we're going to come in second place. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Woo! I don't know about you, I needed that word today. I needed to know that death is not the end, it is the beginning. The beginning for those who believe. Friend, if you have recently had someone pass away and you've been struggling, I hope this encourages you today. You say, but Joel, I'm left behind. I'm lonely. Uh, what, what, what's going to happen to me? Well, look at verse 17. The Bible says, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now, before I get to the last verse of this particular passage, friend, we have hope today. Those who do not know Jesus Christ, I don't know how they get up in the morning. I don't know how they go to the slumber at night. I don't know how they go to their jobs. I don't know how they raise their families without the hope who has a name. And his name is Jesus Christ. Friend, the words that we've just read, written in the first century, is applicable to us also in the 21st century. Look at verse 18. Therefore, Comfort one another with these words. I'm comforted right now. I hope you are. Listen, if you're not comforted today, you may have missed hope. Like the Orthodox Jews in the past and in the present, 
You have missed Messiah. You have missed Jesus. You've celebrated Christmas after Christmas after Christmas for the last decades, but you've missed Jesus. Oh, friend, let today be the day that you embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you, if I may, this, this last verse of Scripture in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, and then I'll have some closing remarks. The Bible says, Now may the God of hope, whoo, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, you can't do this alone. Uh, you, you and I uh, that are followers of Jesus, the only way that I'm preaching in front of you today is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way that I can love my family is the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way that I can serve other families when they're going through trial and trouble is through the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I need to tap into that power today because without Him we are nothing. And without Him we can do nothing. So friend, I pray that today you will receive hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, hope has a name. Hope has a name. I want to conclude my time with you today with a, a written word, not the Bible, but a written word that has so blessed me and I began to weep when I read and reread this as I was going over my notes. And if I weep today, that's all right as well. If there are words for him, then I don't have them. You see, my brain has not yet reached the point where it could even form a thought that could adequately describe the greatness of my God. And my lungs have not yet developed the ability to release a breath with enough agility to breathe out the greatness of His love. And my voice, you see, my voice is so inhibited, restrained by human limits that it's hard to even sing the praise of, yes, you see, if there are words for Him, then I don't have them. My God, His grace is remarkable. His mercies are innumerable. He is honorable, accountable, favorable. He is unsearchable yet knowable, indefinable yet approachable, indescribable yet personal. He is beyond our comprehension, further than imagination, constant through generations. He is the king of every nation. But if there are words for him, then I don't have them. You see, my words are few. And to try to capture the one true God using my vocabulary will never do. But I use words as an expression, an expression of worship to my Savior. A Savior who is both worthy and deserving of my praise. So I use words. My heart extols the Lord and it blesses His name forever. He has won my heart, captured my mind, and has bound them both together. He has defeated me in my rebellion, and he has conquered me in my sin. He has welcomed me into his presence. He has completely invited me in. He has made himself the object of my sight, flooding me with mercies in the morning, 
drowning me with grace in the night. But if there are words for him, then I don't have them. But what I do have is good news. For my God knew that man-made words would never do. For words are just tools that we use to point us to the truth. For he sent his son Jesus Christ as the word, living proof. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things are created, giving nothingness formation. And by his word he sustains in the power of his name, for he is before all things, and over all things he reigns. Holy is his name. So praise him for his life, the way he persevered in strife, the humble Son of God becoming the perfect sacrifice. Let us now praise him for his death, that he willingly stood in our place, that he lovingly endured the grave, that he battled our enemy, and on the third day he rose in victory. He is everything and more that was promised. Let us praise him as our risen king. Let us lift up our voices and sing, for one day he will return for us, and we will finally be united with our Savior for all of eternity. So it's not just words that I proclaim, for my words point to the word, and the word has a name. You see, hope has a name. Joy has a name. Peace has a name. Love has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. Let us just praise his name forever. Right there in your house. Right there in your home. Just praise his name. He is worthy. He is worthy of all honor, glory, power, and dominion. Our God who came as Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who is our Savior, our Lord, and our King. Oh, yes, hope has a name. Right there in your home, I want you to bow your heads with me. Maybe there's something missing this holiday season. Maybe because of COVID-19, maybe because of depression, maybe because just life in general that has ground you down. Today, friend, in our pursuit and rediscovering of our joy, I want you to remember, if you remember nothing else from this sermon, hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And he died on the cross for you. He rose again on the third day for you. I would simply ask you this morning, if you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, right there in the comfort of your home, cry out to Jesus. Let him know that you've messed up. Let him know that you've stumbled and fallen. He already knows. You're just acknowledging to him that you know. And now, restore the joy of his salvation in your heart by confession and repentance. And then, friend, if you happen to have stumbled onto this broadcast today and, and you've listened for the last few minutes, listen, if you don't know Jesus, there's a reason why you've watched. There is a reason why you're listening right now. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you shall be saved. Friend, right now, would you call on Jesus 
and simply repent of your sins and believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. It's always our privilege to preach the gospel, especially in difficult moments. Anybody can sing when life is good. Anybody can teach a Sunday school lesson when everything's going your way. Anyone can preach a sermon when all the T's are crossed and all the I's are dotted. Today, friend, we have come to you simply because hope has a name.